0: Welcome to Practical and Playful PE, the Irish Primary PE Association podcast. Join us as we chat to inspiring teachers and researchers about ideas,
1: resources and activities which can help enhance your PE lessons. Hello, my name is Shane O'Neill and you're very welcome to the new IPPEA podcast. That's the Irish Primary Physical Education Association. I'm a primary school teacher in Limerick with a big passion for PE. We have a very special guest for our first episode. But before we chat to her, I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Liam.
0: Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Liam Clossy. So like Shane, I'm a primary school teacher as well. Huge interest in the area of primary PE and really looking forward to this new podcast and getting a chance to chat to people with fantastic knowledge around the whole area of primary PE. So we're very lucky today to have with us Kira Delaney. So Kira is a teacher from out west in Galway, and she's currently the team leader with um, the PDST Health and Wellbeing. But I'm going to pass you over to to her to just tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, um, Kira, just to give us a bit of an introduction and just maybe I suppose to start us off how you came to to have such a, a great interest in PE.
2: Hi, Liam. And hi, Shane. And thank you so much for inviting me on. I don't know how special I'm going to be as a guest, but I'll give it my best shot. But first of all, hugely, you know, um, huge kudos to you guys and the IPPA committee for setting this up. It's a great opportunity for teachers to connect with each other, people who are passionate about PE, people who are interested in PE, and even people who are just looking for ideas for PE, it's it's a really good idea. So thank you for for doing this. Um, my name is Kira. As Liam said, I'm from Galway, and I'm a primary school teacher. I'm currently working with PDST. For anyone that doesn't know who PDST are, um, we're an agency of the the Department of Education, and we're responsible for. In school um, professional development opportunities for teachers. So I'm really lucky to be on the primary health and wellbeing team. And uh, within that team, we're tasked with professional development opportunities in the areas of PE, SPHE, teacher wellbeing, and all of those wonderful things. So um, I suppose, how did I get here? Well, I am a primary teacher, just like you guys, Liam and Shane. Um, but I've, I suppose my interest in PE really started way back. As a child I was just so lucky and I've studied physical literacy and the concept of physical literacy a lot over the the last few years and it has made me realize actually how really lucky I was that I was born into a household that really valued physical activity and movement and not only valued it but encouraged it and supported it and And kind of just lived it. So both my father and my mother are role models in that sense. So my interest started way back. Um, I kind of had an interest in any kind of movement, any way that I could get active and uh, had great support from home. Community games was a huge source of enjoyment and support for me as a child growing up. And PE at school, I just lived for it and couldn't get enough of it. So then I went on after school and I went to St. Patrick's College in Drunkhandra and I did my teacher training. And while I was there, I decided I'd try a few different types of activities that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to try before. One of those being martial arts, unfortunately, didn't keep that up. But that was where I, I did my first yoga class. And that's actually been a little bit life changing for me. So. After I finished college, I then got a wonderful job teaching in a very small two-teacher primary school in Roscommon, and that's where things really started to fall into place for me in terms of PE, because I had grown up in the city of Galway. I went to school in Salt Hill. We had fabulous PE spaces to work in. I had a hall in the school. Um, We had the use of the boys' school down the road that had an even bigger hall, um, we also used Pierce Stadium from time to time and the local park in Salt Hills with loads of different places that we could go to to do PE in. When I started teaching in the smaller school, it was very much outdoor spaces only. The, the school itself was only two, classroom building in, two classrooms in the building, no indoor hall, no space, no school near enough um, nearby that we could go and use their hall. So that kind of made me really have to think about and be creative about my PE lessons. On top of the lack of space, it was also a multi-grade setting. So now I'm teaching junior infants to second class and children with special needs in the mix there as well. And I'm learning so much now about how to differentiate, how to adapt, how to make sure all of the children in my class are learning all the time together. So that planted a little seed for me. I decided to go back then to college while I was still teaching, and I studied a certificate in physical education, followed by a postgraduate diploma in physical education, and then a master's in physical education, all in St. Patrick's College there in DCU. And again, all of these moments are life-changing in in little ways and lead you along the path um, to where I am now. So it was when I was in St. Pat's, that second time around, That I discovered the Irish Primary PE Association Um, and that's where I met other people who were like me, who had a a real deep-rooted interest in PE and in how to make it meaningful and fun and were willing to share their ideas and, and share their interests. So still friends with all those people and that was when I joined the IPPA first time around. Then I suppose I ended up in PDST um, as, a, as an advisor for physical education, going around from school to school, helping teachers, helping schools with their physical education programs. And now I am the team leader of that wonderful team of advisors and associates. So that's really who I am and how I got here and my background in PE.
1: That's brilliant, Kira. Thank you so much. Very, very impressive. Thank you. C- could I ask you? Could I ask you another question? So, you mentioned there about the challenge of when you worked in the school with the small PE hall. But, can I just ask you, how would you describe your ideal PE lesson? What comes to mind? My
2: ideal PE lesson. Um, yeah. Well, always you've got your warm up and your cool down. So, they're key elements of any PE lesson. Um, and then in the middle, then, is your main activity. And that really depends on what you want to teach the children in the class that you want to teach, what are their needs, what you want them to learn and where you want them to go in the lesson. So start with your warm up, fill up the middle. Um, There needs to be an element there of fundamental movement skill development and also lots of fun and lots of activity. And then just before your cool down, some opportunities for reflection, observation, watching each other and definitely filled up with uh, opportunities to cooperate with and learn from each other that's kind of my ideal PE lesson. And it all depends on who's in your class and what, what you want them and what you need them to learn.
0: Yeah, def- definitely. Definitely. Thank, thanks, Kiri. I know and uh, what you're saying, you know, 100%, you have to adapt everything, don't you really, to, to the group you're working with. And I suppose you were mentioned there, I suppose about kind of thinking about what you want them to learn or whatever. And I suppose today, we're going to talk a little bit around gymnastics um, as being one strand of the curriculum. So, even for yourself, Kira, what would you kind of see as the value of children doing gymnastics as part of P? Would you kind of see it as an important or valuable thing to kind of give children experience?
2: Yes, I definitely see gymnastics as valuable um, and of value. And it's one of my favorite things as an advisor to go into schools and, and teach teachers how to teach, essentially. I think gymnastics is one of the strands that really focuses on movement purely for the sake of movement so if I'm teaching games I'm teaching the children how to do a skill so that they can execute that skill in a game or if I'm teaching them dance I'm teaching them how to do a dance in response to music Uh, whereas gymnastics you're teaching them how to move just purely for the sake of moving in different ways so you know, it, pro- it definitely promotes all around physical development, muscular strength, joint flexibility, balance, coordination, and all of those skills are essential for everyday living. But it, for me, a gymnastics lesson is just children learning how to move, how to move in different ways and how to move purely just for the sake of of moving um, in time and space. I love it.
0: Yeah definitely Kira I think as you said there the the movement is is so important and like it's definitely something in gymnastics you know that is prioritized but at the same time then we often find you know teachers sometimes get a little bit anxious and a bit worried about teaching gymnastics I suppose I, you know but there might be certain parts of the curriculum you know, um, to kind of stand out to them and, you know, they can kind of you know, shy away from it. Um, you know, even things like the rolling and that. What would you kind of say to those teachers that are, you know, get that little bit anxious or a little bit worried when they see, oh, gymnastics now over the next couple of weeks?
2: I would say that is completely understandable. And a lot of teachers actually do feel a little bit worried about teaching gymnastics. So my my first piece of advice to a teacher who is a little bit worried about teaching gymnastics is, What do you think about when you think of gymnastics? And if you think about a big square indoor space full of Olympic gymnasts and uh, balance beams and all of those things, parallel bars, if that's what you think of when you think of gymnastics, then that is the source of your worry. When you're looking at primary gymnastics, it's all about animal movements games, fun activities that develop strength and flexibility and poise. It's not about the execution of triple jumps and all of those things that you see in the Olympics. So with primary teachers, if you're feeling a little bit nervous or anxious about teaching gymnastics, first of all, start where you are. Think about your own experience of gymnastics. How much training have you had in terms of the teaching of gymnastics? How many conversations have you had with your colleagues about gymnastics and ask for help? So if you're feeling a little bit nervous and worried now, chances are you're going to feel a little bit nervous and worried next year and the year after and the year after. If you don't invest in yourself now, you're just pushing that worry down the road and you're going to keep meeting it every year. So ask for help. Do a little bit of professional development. Explore, you know, the resources that are out there. And most importantly, develop a whole school approach. So, again, start where you are. There's no way I can teach children in sixth class a particular gymnastics skill if I don't know what they've already learned. So developing a whole school approach to gymnastics is really important. Um, And I can talk a little bit about that later on. You mentioned rolling there, Liam.
0: Mm, again it's one that comes up isn't it in a lot
2: comes up a lot and i remember as a pdst advisor the, the the topic of gymnastics comes up a lot so don't feel like you're on your own in this if you are feeling a little bit anxious about teaching gymnastics rolling is a really good one again what do you think of when you think of rolling is it the forward roll is it the backward roll if it is step back from that come right back to the start there are so many different types of roles, and i I'm even getting excited thinking about them now because I'd love to just get down there on the floor and roll around and try them out You've got your pencil roll, your log roll, your dish roll, your James Bond roll, your Wonder Woman roll, your teddy bear roll. If you could just spend time investing in those roles, that will lead you then onto the the more difficult roles, but they are. They are so much fun to teach, so much fun to do. Um, Try them yourself. The PDST have some really good resources. And I'm going to mention possibly a few more PDST resources. It's not because I work for PDST, but it's because everyone that works in PDST is a teacher. So any resource that was written by PDST is written by teachers. So they know exactly how you're feeling in terms of teaching uh, PE and this rolling resource that PDST have, have written is fantastic. It contains videos, lesson plans and teaching cards to help you to teach all of those roles in sequential order. So you're working your way up. If I'm teaching sixth class and they have never done any rolling, I am not starting with the forward roll. I'm starting with the pencil roll, the log roll and working my way up. And what child is not going to enjoy learning how to do the James Bond roll?
0: So, highly Brilliant. recommend that. Brilliant, Kiri. Yeah, I think you made so many good points there. I think, as you said, when we. We think about gymnastics, we do, don't we? We all see someone doing a, a triple somersault or someone doing something completely amazing. But I think your advice there is brilliant just to, to pair it back and to start where the child is at. And I suppose to, I suppose to drill down into what we're trying to do in, in primary P is a little bit different than someone's going for you know Olympics or even just uh, gymnastics outside in, in, a, in a club or whatever. So that, that's fantastic advice, Kira, And brilliant there about the rolling as well. I've seen that PDST resource, a very, very good one. I suppose even then, just in terms of, we'll say, you're planning your your gymnastics or whatever, Kira, over the next couple of weeks. How would you kind of? And I know you mentioned the structure earlier of kind of your warm up, your main activity. Um, we'll say in a gymnastics content, how how would you kind of? What would that look like? We'll say, what would your gymnastics lesson structure be like? What kind of things? How many topics would you be covering, or what kind of things would you be doing? We'll say in a typical gymnastics lesson.
2: Yeah. Well, again, it all comes down to. What's what's in your plan for gymnastics? So what is it that you want the children to learn? What do you need them to learn? What did they learn last week? What do you want them to learn next week? So having a plan is really important. And that whole school approach is critical, especially when it comes to gymnastics. What you put into the lesson itself all depends on all of those factors. Um, One thing I would suggest that I have found that really works in terms of gymnastics is You have the option there to use a story or a theme as a stimulus. And I've seen some really good examples of that recently. One of them was using the story, the Gruffalo um, as a a stimulus for gymnastics. But there's a lovely resource out there now. Again, it's a PDST resource, but written by teachers for teachers. And it's Children's Books for Wellbeing. It includes a section on PE a section of 50 books that can be used as a stimulus for movement uh, and children can be inspired to move in the same way as the characters in the book. So if you're looking for different ways to get children to move, then maybe consider using a book as a stimulus. But in general, the content that you'd have in your gymnastics lesson is an element of movement so the child should be enabled to enable to move so what do you want the child to be able to do do you want them to be able to create and perform a sequence of movements do you want them to be able to link a range of movement actions together do you want them to use apparatus do you want them to work with a partner work with a group do you want them to perform at the end all of that you know it, it depends on on what exactly you want to fit into your lesson and definitely include an element of understanding and appreciation at the end, a little bit of reflection, observing each other, talking about what they're doing and what they've learned.
0: Brilliant, Kiri. I know, thanks. They're they're all really good tips and that idea of the structure or the the theme. That sounds great. You know, the Gruffalo gymnastics, uh, that could be, you know, a, a really fun one. Um, and then even, I suppose, we're just trying to collect, I suppose, a few things for our, um, either our warm up or a cool down bank. So would you have any I, 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 activity that you've done before that you really like as a warm up or a cool down? of even within gymnastics or more generally?
2: Yeah. So um, I'm going to take you back to my own school where I taught um, junior infants to second class, the most wonderful children. And they always insisted on this one particular warm up activity, which is called shape detective. Um, Again, shapes in gymnastics are not necessarily geometric shapes. You're not looking at, you know, triangles, squares. You're looking at what positions you can move your body into. So in the shape detective um, warm up activity, you can arrange your pupils in a circle. The shape detective stands in the middle. And one of the children in the circle is the shape leader. Now, if you don't have a big space, big enough for a big circle, you can just spread the children out around the space and the shape detective can move in and out and around the children in in whatever space you have. But the job of the detective is to figure out who the shape leader is. And the job of the shape leader is to guide the rest of the class through a series of movements. So... The children have to be a little bit discreet about following and and obviously the shape leader has to be discreet about about changing movements, but the detective gets three guesses to try and figure out who the shape leader is and after that then the the shape leader becomes the detective, and on goes um, the game but I mean that was a big hit in my own classroom, and uh every every time we did p e the next person had to have a go at being the shape detective so That one is tried and tested. And if you want to remember how to do it, it's actually in the Move Well, Move Off and Resource book three on page 104. There's an adapted version of it there. So it's called Shape Detective. That's a really good warm up game.
0: Brilliant, thanks, Kira. And uh, we'll actually share some of the links there and and some of the resources you've mentioned. Some brilliant ones already there, Kira. That sounds like a a really fun one there, and you could definitely link in with your gymnastic shapes there. You know, your your tuck or your pencil or things you're going to be using for later in your lesson. So that's a that's a really top tip. Um, Kira, just on the gymnastics as well, I suppose. Just you mentioned there about. Uh, working in a school with maybe limited space or you know uh, maybe different from your own experience of of primary school so would you have any advice for maybe those teachers who are working in schools maybe without maybe a hall or without maybe a lot of um, you know equipment um, how would they maybe go about gymnastics
2: yeah so this is where i have loads of experience you know, I worked for 10 years in a school with no hall. How do you do gymnastics if you've no hall? You can do gymnastics in any space if you're creative and if you're enthusiastic enough. So, start with what you have. Look at the space you have and work with that. Don't be afraid to do gymnastics outside if the weather is good. If you've got a grassy area, it's lovely to do gymnastics on. So, don't don't, you know, limit yourself to only doing gymnastics inside. It is possible to teach gymnastics in your classroom. That's what I did in my classroom for years and years. You just need to be creative and, you know, the children can help you out a lot in in reorganizing the room and getting everything set up. You might need to consider using a station-based approach. So if you have a small space, you can't have the children all doing the same thing at the same time. So you might need to arrange the room into stations where the children can do little activities at each station, and that way, when they come to a particular station, you can really focus on helping them with that skill at that station. Um, I have a little resource out there on the internet called the Fun Gym Circuit, so you could Google that and, and see what I'm talking about there. And then also consider who might be in a position in your school to support you. Could you, you know, tap into the other teachers that are in your school? Do you have an SNA in your classroom that you can? you know, get to, to help you with, with the, the gymnastics, depending on what kind of space you have. And then one thing you might consider is using yoga to complement your gymnastics program as well, because I find with yoga is it can be done in nice small spaces. But if you're looking for recommendations for resources, having worked in a small school with very limited space, two resources that I would recommend um, in, in terms of apparatus Gymnastics mats <laughs> when you 're investing in gymnastics mats, make sure they 're easy to store and nice and light um, because you can have these really big heavy gymnastics mats that are really just a pain to carry around and store. If you know of a school down the road or in the town that already purchased gymnastics mats, ask them can you go and have a look at what they 've bought so that you know what you 're buying without just buying them um, off the internet so Not too light, not like a yoga mat, but proper gymnastics mats that are just nice and light for for the children to carry. For my own school, I had to store the gymnastics mats in my classroom. So making sure that they were nice and compact was important. And then we also had these lovely benches. All I had was two benches. That was enough for us. And they had this lovely foam top on them where the seat was. So they were nice and soft. And when you flip the bench over upside down, there was a balance beam on the underside. So if you're short on space and you need a couple of bits of apparatus, just a couple of mats and a couple of benches. And that way you can do your station teaching um, without having to have a mat for every child. So that's just a little bit of experiential advice.
0: Definitely, Kiri. I know oh, great, great tips there. Yeah, and I think the that's a good one about the mats as well. That they're easy to move around. So whether you're doing them in the class, you know, room as you said, you have to move them in and out. You know, if you are using your classroom, or even we've seen a few schools maybe bringing them outside onto the grass when the weather's a bit better, or things like that. So it just makes it a bit more manageable. Yeah, great, great tip I there. think
2: I think it's critical because if you have gymnastics equipment that's really cumbersome to take in and out, it's going to put you off <laughs> trying to yeah. teach with it. Yeah
0: very good Kira. and uh, just the last one I'm going to ask you here um, before I'm going to pass you on to Shane is just um, just even just for a small bit I suppose around maybe digital technology Kira. is that something you've integrated with gymnastics or I suppose in the current times you know we're, we're doing a lot of digital technology but it could be in a more general context of your PE lesson as well gymnastics um, is digital technology something you've kind of ever come across or used within this context?
2: Yeah, well, I think at the moment, it's it's all about digital technologies. We're all teaching remotely at the moment. So digital technology is really coming into uh, play at the moment. Video is one of the most basic ways that you can use uh, digital technologies um, so that the teacher can demonstrate a skill, but also so that the children can share um, their performing of the skill back with the teacher and also so that they can observe their own progress themselves. So, I mean, in terms of other digital technologies, teachers will know themselves. Teachers have really invested in, in their skills um, at the moment in order to be able to teach children remotely. So, but I would not underestimate the use of video um, in, in PE lessons.
0: Definitely, yeah. Definitely, Kira. I think, as you said, if the school does have um, an iPad, even if it's just one or whatever, it's certainly something that you could think about adding in. Brilliant, brilliant insights there, Kira. I'm going to pass you on to Shane. He's just going to chat through a few other bits there. Like I think you even brought up yoga as one of the areas. I think, um, you know, that we're we're very interested in as well.
1: Thanks, thanks, Liam. So, Kira, the next area we kind of wanted to have a chat with you about is mindfulness. So it's, it's certainly at the, in the current time, there's, there's a lot of talk in the media and, and a lot of celebrities as well are, are pr- promoting this mindfulness. So I suppose what I wanted to ask you, first of all, is, is there a way of including mindfulness in PE, in your opinion? And in addition to that, if, if, you, if you think there is, what activities would you suggest or recommend?
2: Well, Shane, you're absolutely right. There is a way that you can incorporate mindfulness in PE. Actually, mindfulness can be included in anything, and that's the whole point of it. Um, I can turn queuing in the bank or being stuck in traffic into a mindful moment. So definitely you can infuse any single thing that you do in the classroom or outside of the classroom with mindfulness. Mindfulness, it's all about learning to direct your attention to the experience that you're having as it unfolds. So you're not focusing on the past. You're not focusing on the future. You're very much in the present and enjoying and taking from that moment, whatever there is to take from it. Um, So rather than worrying about what happened before or what might happen, you're actually much better able to enjoy the, the present moment. And that enables you to respond more skillfully to anything that might occur so rather than just reacting um, and getting frustrated or not enjoying the moment you're able to respond to what's happening um, with more awareness so it's definitely something that you could fit into physical education and I think it would be really really useful a couple of different ways that you can do it you can incorporate some mindful breathing activities so before you start the lesson A lot of children get so excited about physical education, um, going down to the hall, going outside, that they've got all of this energy. And it's really good to be able to harness that energy. So begin the PE lesson by bringing the children together and bringing them to that sense of stillness so that they can focus on what they're about to do. And mindful breathing activities are really, really good for that. So that's just simply focusing on the breath as it moves in and out of the body, maybe adding counting to that movement of breath so that, again, you're slowing down the breath, maybe adding some movements to synchronize with the breath. And it just really helps the children to calm down. And it works anytime in the PE lesson, outside the PE lesson, even for the teacher themselves, getting them ready for PE. So mindful breathing. Again, if teachers are looking for a resource, um, the PDST Health and Wellbeing team designed a breathing resource. Um, it's entitled Breathe Self Regulation and Relaxation Techniques for Children. And there are some really lovely breathing activities in there teddy bear breathing, shoulder breathing, snake breathing. Um, and teachers can download that resource for free and even print off some of the pages in their classroom. As posters or send them home um, for remote learning as well so start with the mindful breathing another thing you could do is you could incorporate some mindful stories so again if you're using stories as a stimulus for movement you could guide the children to, through a mindful story as, as a meditative practice and get them moving in a mindful way mindful moving is all about just synchronizing your movement with your breath so you're you become much more aware of what your body is doing in that space and you become much more aware of how your body feels and that movement of breath in and out. And a really lovely resource for mindful movements is by Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a, a, a well-known mindfulness um, expert worldwide. And that book is called Mindful Movements and it's specifically for, for children. Um, so that's it. Yeah. I would definitely say, give it a go. Um, Learn a little bit about mindfulness yourself, become a practitioner of mindfulness yourself before you attempt to to bring it into anything that you do in the classroom, because that way it's much more authentic. And when you practice mindfulness, you become a mindful person. Um, And that that, you know, is translated into how you then teach mindfulness. So definitely invest in yourself before you start to teach mindfulness in the classroom.
1: Brilliant, Kira. That leads me on nicely to the next question. And this is one that I have thought about in the past. Is it difficult to teach mindfulness if, if you're not practising it or if you don't kind of think it's for you as a, as a teacher themselves? Can you still teach it to your class if you're not an advocate yourself?
2: I think children are very quick to see through that. Um, I think with anything, mm. children are really good at knowing if you really mean what you're saying. Um, I even know that from, I have a two-year-old daughter and I think she knows when, when I'm trying to pull the wool over her eyes. But no, to be serious about what you've asked, it's, mindfulness isn't necessarily difficult to teach, but it is much better and it is much more authentic if you practice mindfulness yourself before you begin to teach it because that way it's much more natural it's not forced. It, it almost becomes part of who you are and you become a role model for it. So when I practice mindfulness, I become more mindful and, and I become mindful in everything that I do. And that then translates much better than if I'm just teaching mindfulness for the sake of teaching it. But it is not difficult to learn. So I always ask teachers, what is the most valuable resource in your school? Is it your gymnastics maths? Is it your iPads? No. The most valuable resource in your school is the teachers. So if you're going to infuse something new into your school, invest in yourself, invest in the teachers and maybe complete a summer course or, um, you know, an evening course. I know Mayo Education Center run courses in mindfulness every year. They're really popular. Um, the Sanctuary in Dublin runs the Mindfulness in Schools Project.Bs and pause, B programs. Um, or you could invite a mindfulness practitioner into your school to train the whole staff. So um, it's not difficult to learn. It's not difficult to teach, but it's much more authentic if you, if you have an understanding of it yourself.
1: Fascinating. Thank you. Um, OK, so that... Next thing I wanted to kind of speak to you about what is and again it, it ties in with mindfulness, but obviously the current times are very challenging and and teachers are are again working from home so have and hopefully we'll be back sooner rather than later, but have you any advice for supporting teachers in these current times because wellbeing has never been more important, and we're all conscious of it but would you have any specific advice or words of wisdom for Supporting teachers in these difficult times. Yeah,
2: I have some advice. So, if anybody is listening, I'd recommend that you quickly grab a pen because um, I'm going to give you some really practical tools here that you can use to support your well being and even the well being of pupils and, and parents in your school. But you're right, Shane, this, what we're going through at the moment, it's we're, we're in it a lot longer than we expect it to be. It's really challenging in so many different ways, and it is impacting on our well-being in lots of different ways. So we need to first and foremost recognize that that, that this is uh, having an impact on us. But well-being is something we should always strive to, to look after, whether or not it's dur- during this current time in the pandemic or afterwards. You know, as a teacher, I've met hundreds and hundreds of teachers They're very special people. They're extraordinary people. They're not like everyone else. I I say this all the time. Teachers are the kind of people they're like a candle. They'll burn themselves right down to the wick just to light the way for others. Um, And trying to get a teacher to look after themselves is really challenging. So I'm going to start right there as a teacher ignore any negativity that you hear at the moment. Um, It's not justified. You are doing a brilliant job and it's really difficult at the moment. So there's a couple of things that you can focus on for your own well-being. And then I'm going to give you a list of of places that you can go and things that you can tap into when, when you need some extra support. First thing I'd recommend is focus on your relationships So as a teacher in a school, relationships with other teachers are really important. We have those incidental conversations. You know, you can talk about things that are happening or things that are going on and and you don't really pay much attention to those conversations, but they're really, really important. So try to focus on alternative ways that you can foster that sense of belonging and connectedness at a time when we're more isolated and we're all working from home or remote doing remote working. Um, try to continue to stay in touch with your colleagues and your friends and your family nothing beats a phone call you can text and text and text but I think if you pick up the phone and, and have a five minute phone call it's it's so much more beneficial so first and foremost focus on your relationships and prioritize those relationships secondly take time every day to relax and that's really important this isn't just kind of sitting down and and mindlessly watching TV, this is more focused relaxation. So really, really focus on paying attention to your body and what it's telling you. Try to recognize when your body and your mind feel stressed and and what those symptoms are. Take some deep breaths, concentrate on letting go, and definitely carve out some time um, for yourself to relax. Third thing I'd recommend is try to maintain a work-life balance. It's really hard at the moment. You know, you're working from home. You might have little ones at home. You might be caring for other people in, in your home. You mightn't be able to get out and care for the people that you want to. And all on top of teaching at the same time as well. So it's going to be essential for you to develop new routines and structures. This is going to give you a sense of safety and control. So create those boundaries around your working times. Don't be looking at your emails right before you close your eyes to go to sleep. Create a boundary around what is your work time and what is your home time and be realistic about what you can and can't do at the moment, given your kind of unique and personal circumstances. Um, Try to be creative if you can. Try to move as often as you can in as many different ways as you can. If you're going to make a phone call, maybe go for a walk, plug in your earphones and make the phone call as you walk. And definitely don't go a single day without getting um, physical activity and movement in. And, you know, appreciate yourself. Teachers have had to adapt their teaching a lot over the last nearly a year at this stage. So that's a very short period of time to change the entire way that you practice um, teaching. So, Schools need to recognize that teachers need to recognize that and all of the effort that has gone into this and that needs to be celebrated and acknowledged. And teachers need to be able to speak about all of the effort that they've put in and and to share how they're feeling about it all. After all of that or even before all of that and during all of that, know where to go to look for help. I don't know if your listeners are aware, but the Department of Education has what's called the Employee Assistance Service, and that's a free counselling service that's available to all teachers and their families. Um, So your spouse, your civil partner, any dependent that lives in your home who's over the age of 18 can also avail of this free counselling service. the Department of Education recently changed the people who are contracted to provide that service. And the new service is called Wellbeing Together. So that's what I need you to write down with your pen. Wellbeing Together. It's the new provider of the Employee Assistance Service. It's available to support you by telephone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And you can free phone that number. It's one 800 one one zero five seven well being together is the name of that service and it's a free counseling service for teachers Um, in addition to that helpline you can also register on the website and it's a really really good website so this this current um, provision of employee assistance is much more expanded upon than the previous iterations that we had before the new online support includes well-being webinars Um, you can sign up to online gym classes i think i had a look at the calendar there of gym classes for next week and you can do up to five different classes a day if you like Um, pilates hit yoga morning energizers there's even some mindfulness there shane if you want to give it a go Um, combat fitness body weight so this is all free this is all what you're entitled to as a teacher as part of the employee assistance service And there's also some guided sessions on there to help you reduce anxiety or relieve stress or to help you to feel better. So definitely check that out. It's called Wellbeing Together. Um, Another one then is the HSE Minding Your Wellbeing um, series. It's an evidence based program. There are five video sessions online. And again, you can learn more about mindfulness, gratitude, self-care and resilience. And that's provided by the HSE Health and Wellbeing team. Uh, more support out there from NEPS, the National Educational Psychological Service. They, I mean, the Department understands at this point that that teachers need this support, so they commissioned NEPS to to develop these supports for teachers, and they have also provided guidance uh, on how to support pupil wellbeing and parent wellbeing. So again, just Google NEPS wellbeing um, resources online, and you'll be able to find those. And then finally, I'd, again, coming back to the PDST, only because I happen to work on the best possible team in the world with the most amazing people who are completely dedicated to the work that they do. Uh, PDST Health and Wellbeing Advisors, they can give you support in any area of well-being. Um, there's an online well-being hub. You can get bespoke support over the phone or by email. Um, PE team and SPHE team are both doing pop in clinics. They're called at the moment. So you can just pop into those clinics, 30 minutes, meet other teachers, chat about what's working for you, get some new ideas. And also you can access all of the PDST resources online as well. So there are just a couple of things. I know, Shane, I've thrown a lot out there, um, but my most important message is teachers just sit back, take a breath look at what you've already done look at all of the efforts that you're making look at look at the change that you're making possible in the lives of the children that you teach every single day and really look after yourself because times are not easy at the moment
1: thank you. I couldn't agree more Kira, with all of that so much information thank you I I was getting the links as you were talking so a lot of them would yeah. be in the show notes with the podcast, but there was so much there that you shared. Thank you. I, I really agree with the idea of phone in the person as opposed to text. I think it's so important at the current times because we're social beings and we're not getting to do our normal routine. So I really must yeah. say I, I thoroughly agree with that that a phone call, even if you pick one or two people each each week that you're going to contact because we need it in the current times
2: and Shane we never have time to ring these people but that's that's only what you think you actually do have the time and once you make that call you'll never regret making that call yeah
1: true. covered mindfulness and we've we've spoken about teachers and their well-being and how we need to look after ourselves so just a little bit could you just maybe have a little a couple of points on yoga and why you feel it's, it's, it's beneficial for children right. in the PE well, curriculum?
2: Um, yoga is also good for, for teachers. So add that to the list there of, of well-being supports. But I suppose I've studied yoga a lot over the last few years, all because I've seen firsthand the benefits that it has for children. So if you think about the PE curriculum in Ireland, it's based on a holistic concept um, that recognizes that, that physical education is both physical and psychological. And and movement that, that enhances both of those things is really critical for the promotion of well-being and children's development. So if you look at the aims of yoga, it's the very same. The PE curriculum advocates a holistic approach and yoga aims to integrate body and mind in order to improve health and quality of life. The reason I feel that it works really well in PE is because It's gentle enough that it works for everybody, so it can be adapted to suit the needs of of everybody in that classroom. It can be adapted to children with special and additional needs, and it can be adapted in all sorts of different ways. So it really works in terms of um, making it accessible to, to all the children in your class. But... It can also be used in small spaces and it simultaneously promotes strength and flexibility and coordination and posture and all those wonderful things that you're learning in gymnastics. But it does it in a way that also brings about a sense of calm and control and peacefulness and concentration and stillness. So that's why I think it really works because the children are moving and they're also becoming still if that's possible you can be moving and also be nice and calm and still in your mind it's all about that awareness Um, yoga is the connection of the body and the mind and that integration of breathing with movement and then in gymnastics you're moving purely for for the beauty and joy of moving so yeah they're all completely intertwined yeah Mm.
1: So Kira, unfortunately we're coming to the end and it's, it's been fascinating I'd say we could go on for another hour but oh. we better we better wrap it up.
2: Thanks Shane and thanks Liam and thanks everyone so,
0: for listening. Brilliant insights there um, you know for myself and Shane definitely but hopefully for a few people listening along as well we hope that anyone listening along enjoyed it this is our, our first of hopefully many uh, Irish Primary P Association podcasts so if you have any feedback be Delighted to hear it or any suggestions for other future guests. Um, we will link to all the resources that Kira mentioned. Again, there's so many fantastic ones, so we'll, we'll link to those in the show notes. And other than that, yeah, we look forward to um, seeing you again um, at another Irish Primary PE Association uh, event or podcast. So, yeah,
2: thanks everyone. Thanks, Kira. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. So, bye bye.
1: Thanks, Kira.
0: Thank you for listening to today's practical and playful PE podcast. Don't forget to check out the Irish Primary PE Association website www.irishprimarype.com for loads more primary PE resources and support. Also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for updates and details of upcoming PE events.